Welcome to American Epistles. I'm your host, Susan Stevenson. How do we know what we know about history, about American history? All the information that's in our history texts, where did it come from? Well, a lot of it came from those very important documents that are housed in places like presidential libraries and the National Archives. They were written by the men, and they are mostly men, who are credited with shaping history. George Washington, for example, realized how important his papers would be to posterity and took great pains to protect and preserve them. Ron Chernow writes about this in the biography, Washington, A Life. At the end of the Revolutionary War, Washington's letters totaled 28 volumes. He ordered six trunks to transport his wartime papers from New York back to his Virginia home, Mount Vernon. Then, since he didn't trust sea transport with his treasured documents, he had the trunks delivered overland hundreds of miles by wagon train, which he sent with full military escort. And for the past 200-plus years, students of history have read and reread the letters of Washington and the other founders, and new books and musicals continue to be written about the early days of the Republic. 160 years after the colonies sealed their independence from Great Britain at the Battle of Yorktown, the United States joined Great Britain and the other allies in World War II. The U.S. forces were led by another well-remembered general, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Between his books, diaries, and memoirs, Eisenhower left behind over 3,000 pages of insight into his life and times. But the so-called ordinary Americans— the people who don't have streets or schools named after them, are a crucial part of the story. Their lives were affected by the constitutional amendments that Congress passed and didn't pass. They fought in and died in and were widowed and orphaned by the wars that our leaders declared. On American Epistles, we will hear their telling of the American story. Like that of Sergeant Hazel Ann Burchard, one of the 350,000 American women who served in the armed forces under Eisenhower during World War II. Sergeant Burchard of the Motor Transport Division was stationed at Ava Marine Corps Station near Honolulu and wrote the following. 13 August 1945 at 2235. Dear Mom, I'll write this now so I'll be able to read this letter later, which I'm writing the night we heard the war was over. It's too wonderful to believe. Jinx and I are taking it calmly. All I can think of is that I'll be home sometime. I say by next summer, for sure. We got the news at 2045, when someone noticed the anti-aircraft searchlights going crazy in the sky and decided to turn on the radio. They sent up flares from our tower and turned on all the tower revolving lights. We watched the ships in the harbor, Pearl Harbor, All the lights on, whistles blowing, flares going up. All the time, the AA lights going in the sky. At about 21.15, the band came by, with all kinds of vehicles, everything that would roll, packed with boys following. That's when the noise really began. Some guy was out in the crowd, taking pictures like mad, of every and anybody. Finally, we got news that the women reserves would have 2400 liberty, anything as uniform. Now the barracks are rather quiet, except for the continual phone ringing and a few people dashing in and out and slamming doors. 
I got down to the ribbing on the back of my sweater in the celebration. Gee, radios are blaring from all the barracks. Guess I'll hit the sack and hope for some sleep. Bye now. Love, Anne. Sergeant Hazel Ann Bouchard, AWRS 14, MCAS Navy Number no. 61, Care of FPO, San Francisco, California. And there are many more perspectives to be heard. Every chapter of the American story has multiple voices, and we will hear from many of them on American Epistles. Each episode will focus on a particular time period or event and present letters and diary entries from the people who lived through that event. I'll also rely on narratives, interviews, and oral histories to account for the fact that many Americans, for various reasons, could not leave us their stories in writing. I'll include background research so we can get a better understanding of the historical context of these personal messages. The inaugural episode will feature letters from participants in and witnesses to the Great Migration, during which millions of African Americans left the Jim Crow South in search of a better life. Like this one. Their letter writers and recipients' names were redacted. East Chicago, Indiana, June 10, 1917. To Union Springs, Alabama. Dear old friend, These moments I thought I would write you a few true facts of the present condition of the North. Certainly, I am trying to take a close observation. Now it is true, the colored men are making good. Never pay less than $3 per day or 10 hours. This is not promised. I don't see how they pay such wages the way they work labors. They do not hurry or drive you. Remember, this is the very lowest wages. Peacework men can make from 6 to $8 per day. They receive their pay every two weeks. This city I'm living in, the population is 30,000, 20 miles from Big Chicago, Illinois. Doctor, I am somewhat impressed. My family also. They are doing nicely. I have no right to complain whatever. I received the papers you mailed me some few days ago, and you know I enjoyed them, reading about the news down in Dixie. The letter then recounts the town's recent Decoration Day celebration, or Memorial Day as it's known today, and mentions the cold weather. Then it says, People are coming here every day and are finding employment. Nothing here but money, and it is not hard to get. Remember me to your dear family. Oh, I have children in school every day with the white children. I will write you more next time. How's the lodge? Your friend. As we read these letters, I believe that we will be moved by the struggles the migrants endured and inspired by their determination in the face of great adversity. Their story is part of our American story, and I look forward to exploring it with you, one letter at a time. The letter from Sergeant Bouchard is the property of the State Historical Society of Missouri. Please browse their full collection of World War II correspondence at digital.shsmo.org. The letter by the migrant to Indiana was originally printed in the Chicago Defender newspaper and reprinted in the Journal of Negro History, which is in the public domain and available at gutenberg.org. The music is performed by Pretlow Stevenson IV. Thank you for listening.